Hello and welcome to the Film Classification Podcast from the BBFC. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You must understand what you have to learn. The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. It's episode 21 of the BBFC podcast. My name is James Blatt. Very happy to host you for another delve behind the scenes here at number three Soho Square. This edition, we've got the first of what I think is going to be a really great series. That is looking back at directors past from the organisation. We may throw some presidents in there as well as time goes on. But we're starting with one of the most significant figures in the board's history. Before then, let's delve into the news items that we have. We have the Hay Festival. Our head of education, Lucy Brett, has attended Hay uh, in May. She hosted BBFC workshops and screenings, part of the Festival Schools programme in partnership with Interfilm. Now, she was uh, screening The Secret of Kells, which is a PG, an animated adventure about Vikings. And uh, also for Key Stage 2 pupils, they had a chance to reflect on the film, to think about animation, the scary moments, the violent scenes, and films generally aimed at younger children. A useful workshop and a great exercise for us at the board, as well as, of course, for those children. Uh, For the older Key Stage 3 and 4 pupils, Lucy held a screening of the First World war story private peaceful that's uh, 12a the film is based on a book by michael morpurgo him of warhorse fame and it looks at the way soldiers believed to be cowards were treated um, very appropriate of course for this year the 100th anniversary of the outbreak of war uh, the bbfc workshop following the film allowed pupils to learn about our age ratings and discuss how the difficult themes are sometimes classified at 12a and the way in which bbfc examiners use our guidelines to make those decisions uh, what else we've got going on cine magic now into its fifth year positive and inspiring use of the internet remains at the heart of the child net film competition david austin our assistant director here at the board will help judge the competition all films shortlisted as finalists will be classified by the bbfc quite a treat and awarded bbfc black cards um, the closing date for entries of this competition is friday the 20th of june you can find out how children can enter by uh, looking at the news story about the competition on the CBBFC website or by visiting the Childnet website. There are two categories for younger and older children. I definitely encourage you, if you've got children interested in film, this is a great competition. What, how brilliant would it be to have a black card with your film's title on it? Finally, I wanted to mention our case studies. Now, you can read these on the BBFC website. They're written by examiners and staff here in the board, and they give a little bit more background detail into how we arrived at certain decisions, usually controversial decisions from the past. We've added a couple new ones recently. No Orchids for Miss Blandish in 1948, and from 1963, Shock Corridor. Um, Some resonance, actually, for our topic in just a moment. Um, There are case studies for now over 150 high-profile films from across the classification category. It's not all historic films. We have uh, an education and attack the block, uh, pitch perfect and precious uh, case studies for recent films. We're also going back to some of those big controversies such as A Clockwork Orange and Cannibal Holocaust. Right, well as promised we're going to start our series looking back at directors past from the BBFC and we're going to start with one of the most famous names I think associated with the board which is John Trevelyan. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Craig Lapper one of our senior examiners and a man who knows more about the BBFC probably than uh, anybody else in the building is that fair you probably will say no but I think that's fair. Um, you know a lot don't yes. you? Yes. 
Yes, you're going to go with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about John Trevelyan, who I assume was known as JT, because we do use initials in this building. Was he yes, known? he would have been, yeah, at the time. Well, let's start, I, I guess, with, uh, with who he was, what his background was, and how he got to the board. Um, yeah, John Trevelyan had originally worked as a teacher, which is always something that the board appreciates in um, examiners and other staffs having a, a, a background in working with, with children. Um, originally, he was a teacher working in the colonial administration in West Africa. And then when he returned uh, to Europe, he became uh, an educational administrator and served in a number of positions um, in that field. In fact, he recalls in his autobiography what the censor saw, that while he was working as an educational administrator, he was actually one of the people who was criticising the BBFC and the BBFC's failure to protect children from the pernicious influences of American cinema, uh, Hollywood violence, but also the, the materialism of American culture. So he did have a background of uh, criticising the board, which is uh, always helpful in, in, in giving you some ideas for when you, when you actually join the organisation. It probably is not a bad... I mean, some, I don't think many people join the BBFC without having had an opinion on the organisation beforehand. So. No, it's, it's, it's quite unusual. Okay, well let's um, let's look at his era then, which was uh, the 60s, running into. I went, well, actually, what what were his dates, Craig? Well, he first joined the board as a part-time examiner in 1951. He then took over as secretary of the board, as the position was called then, in 1958, and he was he was at the board until 1971. Oh, so it's so, a huge span. So he was here for a 20-year span in total. And very important to note that he was an examiner. Yes. Before he was director, which is not necessarily the case and hasn't been for a while, actually. No, it's it's the only time that uh, an existing member of BBFC staff has, has, has reached the position of secretary or director. Um, that's probably partly because his predecessor, John Nichols, didn't really work out in the post. John Nichols um, was BBFC secretary from 1957 to 1958. He was actually only here for, for a year and a half. Um, he'd been appointed personally by the board's president. Um, he, for a variety of complicated reasons, lost the confident of the f uh, confidence of the film industry um, and that there, there were a lot of calls for John Nichols to go. Um, John Trevelyan, because he was um, an extremely experienced and effective examiner, effectively was asked to step in and run the board as John Nichols was on his way out. Um, and I think it was felt by the president at the time that it would be far better to give uh, give the position to somebody who he knew and who he knew had a proven track record of working within the board rather than uh, potentially appointing someone else from outside who also didn't work out. Of course, it's worth remembering that John Nichols was only the board's third secretary, so there um, wasn't, wasn't much experience in the part of the board on changing the top man. OK, well, let's, let's look at the era then, and I'm going to think that if you look at the transformative eras in uh, in British social history, the 20s probably comes up, but so does the 60s. I mean, yeah. massively so, and we live really in the wake of the 60s today. Yeah. So JT was the man in charge of this almost the temperature taking part of uh, of culture here yeah. in Soho. How did yeah. he how did he handle it? And what were his challenges? Well, it was, as you said, a period of 
rapid change both socially and and in terms of the cinema um, in terms of social change throughout the 60s you had um, changes such as the decriminalization of homosexuality introduction of the pill um, decriminalization of abortion um, ultimately the, the divorce act there were all sorts of social changes going on and uh, John Trevelyan had to respond to those kind of changes in society um, there were also major changes in in film and film going uh, throughout the 1950s revenues from cinema had been declining largely thanks to um, the increase in television viewing so that was more and more of a, a threat and the X category for adults only um, which had initially worried the industry because the industry uh, were wary of a category that wouldn't allow children and family audiences started to embrace this um, adults only category as offering something potentially that could challenge um, the dominance of television. So Trevelyan was simultaneously seeing stronger and stronger product and uh, you know various more it could be said permissive changes in society and culture. Um, he'd been very aware during the 1950s of the board being caught on the back foot with issues like nudity um, during the 1950s while he'd been an examiner he'd seen um, one of his predecessors Arthur Watkins uh, struggling with the issue of nudity um, the board used to have a very strict stance on on the issue of nudity basically um, it, it wasn't permitted except in uh, very carefully delineated circumstances um, but Trevelyan had seen how local authorities had overruled the board in particular on that issue and I think he was acutely conscious that if the board was to remain relevant to society and to uh, the film industry, um, it was important for the board to to keep up, basically, with society and public attitudes. So, being very conscious of that, um, he he, uh, he he initiated a program of uh, what can only be described as gradual liberalisation. And can we put some titles to some of these uh, challenging films for him? What sort of titles was he dealing with in the mid sixties? Um, well, in the in, in, in the mid-60s, you started getting uh, some of the European art house directors making uh, more challenging films. Perhaps the best-known film was uh, uh, actually a film set in, in swinging, swinging London, which was uh, Blow Up, the uh, Michael, uh, Michelangelo Antonioni film. Um, that uh, had a sequence in which there were brief flashes of female pubic hair um, during a sequence in which David Hemmings cavorts with a couple of ladies and uh, th that was something that the board had never never been prepared to pass even once we'd started passing the so-called naturist documentaries um, that, that there had been uh, no sight of pubic hair on screen so that was uh, that was the, um, the, the, the the big issue in the, the mid-1960s. So, so JT is tuned into cultural changes and, as you say, this, this gradual program, program of liberalisation which he sees as keeping the, the board relevant. Presumably this brought him into conflict with some of the more conservative aspects um, of society and government? Well, I think in many respects John Trevelyan had a fairly easy ride um, because these changes were happening elsewhere 
and he could be seen to be gradually responding to them uh, rather than forging ahead of uh, what was perceived to be public uh, opinion. Um, he probably had a much easier ride than some of his predecessors or successors. Um, of course, there were some people, um, certain sections of society, who, who disagreed with the permissive society, um, but by and large, Trevelyan was able to ride along on something of a, a wave of uh, liberal feeling, and because he was such a an affable uh, character and uh, very uh, very adept at appearing uh, in public and in, in the press. He appeared on David Frost's show, uh, various television programs, and and and, and explained the board's position clearly. Um, I he 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 managed by and large to deflect most criticism. Mm. And in fact, this was probably the first time that the board attempted to pursue a policy of openness and accountability, as it would be called now, because Trevelyan felt that he could uh, diffuse potential controversies um, by by being prepared not only to explain why the board was doing what it was doing, but also being prepared to admit that he was fallible and that he could get it wrong. It's, it's quite surprising when you listen to interviews with Trevelyan at the time, the number of times that he simply says that uh, he hopes that the board gets it right more than we get it wrong. Right. But he does admit that the board, the board is fallible, it is judgments made by people, essentially subjective judgments in some cases, um, uh, and that the board will, will hopefully learn from that. That's, uh, I mean, the sign of a skillful operator, isn't it? The way that he's yeah. uh, he's using various assets, um, including communications, to to steer the ship. Um, I mean, he did have this personal charm. I think John Trevelyan. He became a bit of a personality, and that shines through actually when you do some of the works from the '60s and open files. And I remember a, possibly a Sydney Lumet film and there's a typical note from JT saying they had lunch with Sydney over the script for this I think it's going to be okay we'll watch for these areas so in the 60s obviously JT used his personal relationship with the industry um, to try and influence at the earlier stage what was going to be in the film when he got here yeah and that that probably helped to reduce the amount of censorship that was necessary on certain titles because uh, Trevelyan, in many cases, would have read the script personally at an early stage. It, it wasn't unknown for him to even appear on the set occasionally. Um, the, in, in, in the you know first half century of the board, um, there was a very standoffish, very bureaucratic attitude, and particularly the board's first secretary, Joseph Brooke Wilkinson, had little or no contact with the film industry. But I think um, Trevelyan realised that the best way to uh, maintain relations and to you know to produce the most effective results was to have a good relationship it's 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 possibly true that Trevelyan had slightly too close a relationship with some members of the film industry and certainly um film directors' attitudes towards Trevelyan depended uh, in part upon how good their relations were. Yeah, so that's the danger of that, that system, that, that, That's it? the yeah. inherent danger. And there, there, there were some filmmakers who were, who were uh, well-treated by Trevelyan and enjoyed a good personal relationship. But on the other side, there were, there were other directors who had, um, it's fair to say, less positive experiences. Well, it was quite an eventful um, decade, of course, in the UK and, and for the board. And if you think about the types of films that perhaps came in in 1959, 1960, and then contrasted that with things like Clockwork Orange, which were at the dog end of the decade, the beginning of the 70s, you can just see how far the board had, 
had travelled along with society. Yes. Um, in in his earliest years, Trevelyan was starting to deal with these um, new British films that he was passing at the X category. Um, films like Room at the Top, um, Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, these kind of films dealing with issues that had previously been considered outside of the scope of uh, the kind of thing that should be in a work that was, you know, a medium that was essentially seen as a form of entertainment. So he was dealing with this uh, new social, realist, sometimes called kitchen sink type dramas. So you had films uh, dealing with issues like adultery, abortion. This was all quite new for films, uh, for British films uh, being shown in the cinema. But as, as you said, by the end of the 1960s, beginning of the 70s, films were a lot more explicit um, and, and things had, had moved on a great degree. Um, that was partly because of liberalisation and censorship, but, but also partly because of the realities in other countries. Um, in America, the effective abolition of adult film censorship in 1968 and the introduction of a new um, X certificate, uh, which could be applied by a filmmaker to their own film, meant that the kind of material that was coming out of America was a lot more explicit um, and, and, and a lot more challenging for the BBFC. Trevelyan liked to work by by increment and one of one of the ways Trevelyan did this was by um, by testing material out, uh, by passing fleeting sight of something and seeing how people reacted, um, or by encouraging local authorities to pass a film so that um, so that he could see how the press and, and, and some of the public would react. It's quite wily in his own he, way. He, w he was a very shrewd and wily operator, and it was it was very difficult for his uh, successor to, um, to, 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 to follow that. And finally, Craig, what is JT's legacy here? Well, his legacy is largely one of a gradual shift on the part of the board from a feeling that adults should be protected from material that is offensive or disgusting towards more of the kind of attitude we possess today that is that offensiveness in itself shouldn't be the key test. The key test should be whether the material is genuinely likely to cause harm. Also, of course, more of a, a focus upon um, protecting children rather than adults. Of course, it would be wrong to say that uh, when Trevelyan left there was no longer adult film censorship. That was uh, far from the case. Uh, but, but he had gradually shifted the board's uh, position to, to a less paternalistic and old-fashioned position and, and, and really started the ball rolling on a process that continued through the 70s and up to the present. Well, well, quite a, a dramatic impact on the board. Uh, Craig, fascinating. Thank you very much indeed. So we, we remember John Trevelyan uh, for this edition of the podcast. He died in August 1986, aged 83. But I can tell you, every time you open a file in this place, you read anything to do with the history. He looms large over it, one of those, uh, one of those men who had a significant impact on the way the board operates uh, even today. Craig, thank you. And uh, we say goodbye for this edition of the podcast. Thank you very much to our editor, Catherine Anderson. We will be back next edition, and uh, we will continue at... Uh, various points I'll look back at uh, director's past see you next time